Catholic Radio. Call now with your question, 224-585-WSFI. That's 224-585-9734. Good afternoon. This is Susie McGinn. I have a very special guest for you today on our program, Healing the Whole Person. He's a personal friend because he's the assistant pastor of my parish, which is St. Anne's in Barrington, Illinois. We just welcome all of you, and my dear priest friend here is Father Chris Cheston. He's from originally from Poland. Uh, he's been in the Archdiocese of Chicago for almost 16 years and is soon, as of July 1st, to become the pastor of St. Paul the Apostle in Gurney, Illinois. So we just welcome you, Father. I'm so happy and honored to have you here with me today and with all of us. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. So we're going to begin with uh, Father Chris's bio. We call him Father Chris. And uh, if you, when you know him, you will too. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to talk about him. Um, I asked him when we were getting ready for this show, I said, Father, could we say that perhaps your priesthood was both a prophetic happening as well as a healing and conversion story in your life? And he said, yes, you could. So I want him to tell you a little bit about that, where he's from, and uh, how he got here. Okay. Thank you. Welcome, Father. Thank you, Susie. So actually, my, my name is more like adopted name, because in Polish it sounds totally different. And uh, so in Polish it sounds Krzysztof Ciastoń. So when I came to Chicago 16 years ago, I had to kind of change my name because mm -hmm. my classmates had to do it too because they were from Korea and from Africa and uh, South America and it was really difficult for them to pronounce it. And um, I came from a really small village in the southern Poland which is really close to Slovakia. I was born there, I was raised there and went to all schools there. My family still lives there. How many population? What's the population? Population of the village is maybe 300 people. Oh my god. So goodness. it's still teeny tiny as I call it. My family house is literally next to the church and it's really special church because it used to be used for many centuries by Greek Catholic mm. believers. And after the Second World War, they were exiled or they were removed from their houses uh, by that current and uh, current that system that governmental system which came right after the war and some poles uh, just came to live in those houses and my grandparents who were in Dachau in the camp they came to that village really a and they started their journey with their family and kids and switching different houses we always laugh a lot in our family because fire goes always with us they oh. actually my grandparents burned four houses in that village oh my goodness and finally they built a nice on purpose or no it just you know in some 
it happened, but uh, we always <laughs> laugh about it. And finally, they built really strong a uh, brick house, and <laughs> that was like the, the end of the three little pigs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and my father was the only son of the family, and he had five sisters. And now I have actually four brothers and only one sister. Oh, so it's kind of okay. reverse. Reverse. And they are all living close to my mom. Uh, my father passed away 12 years ago, actually a few months after my ordination. I was lucky to have him here with my mom and my sister for that time. And they are all married. They have kids. And tomorrow, actually, tomorrow. I will be there. Yes, tomorrow <laughs> he gets to go home. A little sabbatical, a two-week sabbatical, yes. <laughs> very short. Uh, but then he'll be able to be with his family. And you know, I know it's you're especially looking forward to seeing your mother. Oh, yes. Priests and their mothers have very close bonds, we know. For right. sure, that that's true. And uh, we have a really nice uh, special bond. And uh, whenever she is here, we are more like friends here. When I am in Poland, well, that's different. It's a mother. (laughs) She is my mother. (laughs) And uh, nobody would even say that uh, there would be different relationship. It has to be. Poland is into uh, titles and tradition and customs. So everything needs to stay as it is there. Sure. You could be the Pope and she'd still be your mother. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's really beautiful. Um, tell us about um, how y- you believe that the Holy Spirit led you to become a priest through your godfather. Yes, that's one of my favorite stories because I learned about this story when I went to the seminary. Oh. So I never knew that there was something like that uh, before because nobody was connecting you know certain events uh, in my family and it happened actually on my baptismal day when they brought me uh, back from the church uh, and there was some party in the house and we have lots of different customs and fun stuff to do during the uh, that party and uh, usually we put actually three items on the on the bed. It's money, rosary, and bottle of vodka. <laughs> and then they put a child in front of it, and just to see, you know, have some fun, you know, where that child would go to. Right. So my grandfather actually decided to do something different, and he said, you know, I will do it. You know, I will actually try to predict what kind of future that little Chris could have. And. Um, and he's really religious as everybody in the in the in the in the in home but he started actually shaking my body over the pots in the kitchen and he said to everybody he will be a chef he will be a chef and then he looked at me and he said if not a chef then a priest ah. so the whole story actually came back when i went to the seminary everybody recalled that moment but i think it was that holy spirit who worked through him to actually right away at the beginning of my life to show that there will be some um, different path for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I think that that uh, job of being chef was that kind of secular way of looking at my life. Uh, I was pretty good in it, but I think think that God wanted something else from my life. Mm -hmm. And that's why he called me to be a priest. It happened in a really interesting and amazing way because at that time I was away from family, I was away from church, uh, and and, um, because I thought that that work, that job being a chef was everything what I wanted in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, if I can say, it happened actually in the church when I was 
uh, in that time of denial and uh, not having anything sacred in my life. When I went to the church just to warm up, when I was walking toward my work, it was in the middle of winter. I'm from mountains, so there's lots of snow and freezing temperatures. So I went to warm up and three ladies actually came to the church and they sat exactly in the same pew. So I was really stacked against the wall. Oh, and on the same I, pew you were in. Exactly. Oh. And I was wondering, I was like, you have like 100 other pews? Why you had to sit in my pew? <laughs> and to leave that pew was almost impossible. Actually, whenever you are in Europe, you know that churches and, and the pews in it, um, uh, in, in churches, are more like medieval Device, uh, torture device than anything <laughs> cozy as, as we have at St. Anne. Yeah, and right. in no any, cushions. No cushions. <laughs> and that's w when I actually started hearing calling. That uh, there was a little bit more to life than just, you know, uh, what's secular, what's, uh, what money can bring, what this world can offer. Mm. And uh, Bishop Barron calls it wealth, pleasure, power, and honor. That's it. <laughs> Everything could be hung on those four hooks, right? Yes. <laughs> so it was, it was a beautiful moment. And uh, I decided to go to the seminary two months later after that um, happening in the church. And during those two months, actually, lots of things happened, which brought me back to church and to back to my family. And you remember that story when I yeah. said that my brother saw me walking and it was Sunday, the time to go to church. And they literally took me under <laughs> their arms and they carried they me to church. They walked you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, but it was when uh, St. John Paul II came to um, uh, a city close to my uh, hometown and he canonized a uh, local saint, St. Kinga. I think it's uh, Kunagundam in English. And uh, so many things happened during that Mass. And, uh, it was a village near yours? Yes, it was perhaps like maybe 30 miles away. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I literally decided on that day to, to go to uh, the seminary because uh, how he spoke to us, how he uh, presented his person to us, and he even couldn't come from uh, Krakow to that village because it was too foggy and rainy, so uh, they couldn't find, uh, fly uh, the helicopter. So he said to everybody, I want to drive. Oh. So the police and everybody had to, you know, like l like all the streets. Nothing and, stopped yes. him. Yeah. And uh, it was such a, uh, a gloomy day. Uh, it was lots of rain, lots of fog. And when he came, he moved from his limousine to the Papa Mobile and sun came. Ah. And all the uh, fog and rain kind of lifted up. And at the end of the mass, he said, you know, and now we will have um, a review of geography. And what it meant that he really knew the whole region because he walked all those uh, uh, trails, those mountains. He was skiing. He was a skier. And then at as the end, are you? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes yeah. I'm. I'm good skier too. I yes. have to say. And he would point each hill, each peak, and he would say, "If you go there, this is the name of the the peak, and it will take you two hours to get to another one, and then you can go down to the river and come back here, uh, kayaking and so on." So you know, it was such a s special moment at that time. 
You and could really relate to exactly. him. Exactly. Yes. And I met him many times um, later on, and uh, he was for sure an inspiration in my life. And uh, he also brought me closer to devotion of uh, divine mercy and uh, reciting chaplet, chaplet and uh, reading more about uh, St. Uh, Faustina and apparitions and to understand more why actually Jesus had to appear to that uh, uh, simple nun with such a great message because mm. he just wanted to let us know that he is merciful that he can really come to our aid to help right. us to to bring that healing in our lives whenever we need there's nothing he can't forgive exactly absolutely and, nothing and that's what i experienced in my life with that healing moment because as I mentioned, I was away from church. Right, right. Well, I'm. I. It reminds me um, just of an a powerful quote that Bishop Sheen. We have a picture mm-hmm. of right here. The privilege of looking at him. He uh, said something that uh, I'll never forget. He said, "A priest is a man who brings God to the people, and the people to God." And I think that's exactly what Pope John Paul did for you. He brought God to you and so that you could bring God to the people. Go ahead, Father. Yes, uh, um, you mentioned something before uh, we started recording that I like to bring my personal story to um, the story of the yes. gospel. And, yes. uh, um, and every time when I have Mass, I try to recall certain um, happening or event or humorous sometimes story sometimes maybe not so humorous story Mm -hmm. but i think that that's what uh saint john uh, paul did that he was bringing constantly his life his spirituality his faith uh into what he was doing that's why people could relate to him so much yes and when people can relate to certain story or maybe um that person who is speaking to them, you know, then God enters in easiness into it. Yes. At that time, that uh, good message, good news can actually reach people in a little bit different way. When we start right away with lectures and, you know, different, um, let's say, dogmas and beliefs and so on, you know, we kind of lose ourselves right away. But if we can relate to some kind of story, which perhaps most of us experience in our lives, at that time, that dogma and beliefs and everything, what our uh, holy church is teaching us can enter into us too absolutely you know that reminds me um just yesterday i received in the mail a copy of um a periodical that comes out quarterly it's called the catholic citizen of illinois and there's an article in there by uh, father john Carche. uh he's the rector of mundelein seminary where you went and were yes. ordained and i just want to read a couple um sentences from the beginning of his article uh, the spiritual life of a parish priest is what he titles it and he says in the sidebar it's just kind of a summation it says church has always insisted that a parish priest's identity must be grounded in his relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we saw with the Pope and what he brought into your life. And then Father John says, if you ask a parish priest, what is most important, study, pastoral work, or prayer? The best answer would be yes. It simply is not acceptable for the parish priest of today or tomorrow to see himself as a man who has done reading 
theological or spiritual books once he's graduated from seminary, or a priest who prays through his work, but rarely takes time to quiet for, for, and be focused contemplative prayer as a priest who refuses to interrupt his holy hour to take a call from a parishioner in serious need because quote Jesus must come first a good priest knows that responding to Christ in others is putting Jesus first mm -hmm. and that's what we have seen for these past six years as you've been the assistant pastor at St. Anne's and now are going on to be a a young pastor and very capable one, I'm sure, at St. Paul the Apostle in Gurnee. So um, let's just talk a little bit about your um, devotional practices, Father. Yes. Um, what, um, how will you guide your people in, I know that's a big question because you've got all ages. You don't yes. have a school though. There's no school there? There's no parish school at St. Paul, but okay. there's a large uh, religious ed school mm -hmm. and uh, um, lots of uh, Actually, uh, hundreds of uh, kids are coming for that school, but then we have a great uh, confirmation program and great uh, um, high school programs. So um, the numbers actually at St. Paul are pretty impressive. Do they have Kairos? They, they don't have Kairos because they have a live team okay. um, oh, yes. uh, system. But uh, if it is a possible uh, uh, way of bringing Kairos uh, and Spiritus retreat to uh, young people for sure I would like to do that yeah, because I, know I you, am you like I that, am huge yeah. into Kairos and I've uh, been part of it at CNN and other places and I just love how teens transform their lives right and um, and how beautifully they come back to understand that God Jesus Holy Spirit are needed in in our lives mm -hmm. and uh, before retreats you Usually they just have some kind of concept, yes, religion, spirituality needs to be part of our lives. But after uh, all those retreats, they are just amazing. They're on fire. And yeah. um, I call my going away from church my Kairos, my private Kairos. That yeah. it took a little bit longer than three days yeah. <laughs> to, to um, recognize uh, what's important in life, to have that turning point. And I think that in life we learn from those moments. Uh, sometimes God uses those um, moments, those circumstances, uh, situations to teach us something. But uh, I think that when there is no focus on spiritual life or that prayer uh, life, in uh, I mean that, that that uh, life of prayer in our lives, at that time it won't work. That's right. That's why um, when we were ordained, we were promising to uh, uh, our bishop, at that time it was Cardinal uh, George, that we would spend time on prayer. And some um, priests see it as something required from them, mm. but I see it more like, you know, in some because I promised, I want to actually not only keep it, but kind of grow in it. That's why every day we are called to find some time, uh, five times a day, to do uh, the prayers in bravery, the liturgy of the hours. Yes. Uh, I personally, uh, every day, do um, I pray uh, the rosary and the chaplet of Divine Mercy. There are a few other uh, um, uh, practices which I do, but I love just personal 
conversational kind of not written uh, uh, type of prayer extemporaneous it, it yeah. brings me closer to to God and uh, because every day is different sure I can actually present every day different uh, problems or uh, joyous moments and at that time it is a really personal relationship uh, with God yeah, absolutely um, you know uh, years ago um, there was a father John Burke he was a mm -hmm. Dominican priest that um, we got acquainted with oh look I hearing some wonderful music <laughs> the time goes by so fast when you're yes. having a good time <laughs> okay we're gonna take a short break right now father thank you so much for being here and we'll be back in just a few minutes to hear some more wonderful stories from father Chris Chaston thank you I'm Juliana Taimarazi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council in Chicago. Our culture needs Catholic radio as a tool for evangelization and catechesis. As a powerful platform, Catholic radio brings Christ to us all and brings us closer to Christ. Get the real Catholic news from Catholic radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois. 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving a sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Okay, good afternoon again. This is Susie McGann. 
calling, uh, we're broadcasting from wonderful WSFI 88.5 FM. And if you just tuned in, uh, my special guest today is Father Chris Chaston. From, he's uh, the assistant pastor at St. Anne's in Barrington for a couple more weeks, uh, a month, and then July 1st. He's going to be right in our area here, pastor of St. Paul the Apostle in Gurnee, Illinois. So we just welcome you back, Father, and we're just having a lot of fun listening to him tell his stories about his homeland and about his vocation. And uh, when I uh, we took a little break here, we were talking about. I was telling them about a uh, a priest named Father John Burke. I think he's gone on to his reward now, but he was a Dominican priest from Washington D.C. And can't remember how we got acquainted with him, but it was. I think he came to give a parish mission. And uh, when he was giving one of the talks, you know, people were complaining about the uh, some of the lackluster. Uh, sermons that they were hearing and you know what he said to us he said they come from your homes it's up to you to raise those children not only in the faith but in the word in the Eucharist he said that if they aren't getting it there you you can't expect them to have a hunger for the word in their ministry so yeah it just shows how important it is and it's obvious that the your faith was very very strong in your home right father oh, yes yeah. um, from the beginning and um our church, which I mentioned, that Greek Catholic Church, which yes. then um, Roman Catholics uh, took over after the war, uh, is literally behind the fences of our home. So whatever was happening in that church, we had to go. And now my mom is in charge of that church because the priests priests are coming from another village to like say masses. Mission, it's like a mission parish. Yeah. I I would say so. Uh-huh. It's more like you know two villages have one parish, but uh, it, it would be something like that. So there was always that uh, constant exposure to uh, religious practices uh, through mass, devotions, and so on. But I have to say that in my home we were constantly um, um, taught how to pray, when to pray. Uh, we would never start meal without um, um, a blessing. Um, and uh, every time when we have to, when we enter home, we have to greet in um, Christian greeting. Um, really? Last uh, last time when I went home, my mom was um, uh, laying on the couch and my brother was by the table. And I entered the house, and uh, my brother started jumping and he said, "Oh, Chris I, is here! Yeah, What's so excited. fun!" And uh, and my mom didn't move. And I asked my brother, was like, what's going on, you know? Yes. And he said, oh my gosh, you didn't say, you know, the greeting. Oh. So I left the house, came back, and I said, you know, in what Polish... What is the greeting? Made, what is it? Uh, in Polish, it's, niech będzie pochwalony Jezus Chrystus, which is, may Jesus Christ be praised. Oh. And at those words, she just jumped, and she started <laughs> hugging me, kissing oh. me, and so on. So... Uh, uh, religious practice for sure it's really important in my family yeah. and uh, to think you came all the way from America and she waited for those words oh yes what a beautiful testimony yeah it is yeah. and uh, the whole village and uh, the whole region of Poland which I am from is uh, really practicing um, my home diocese uh, sees 95% of um, 
Catholics every Sunday in church. Yes, and which I, we isn't just, Poland one of the last Catholic countries in the world? I mean, not? it's it's not the la last, but uh, no, for sure it's still of, strong um, uh, when it comes to Catholicism. But there's just a few left, I think, exactly. countries in, in Europe, actually, we are uh, now actually perhaps the largest yes. when it comes to numbers and uh, regular practice and so on. And um, I grew up always in that Catholicism uh, and Polish, you know, heritage, mm -hmm. and uh, it perhaps per perhaps built me in that way. And when I came to Chicago, which was actually invitation of Cardinal um, uh, George, I was wondering about that because I knew he had gone to Poland and uh, encouraged some young seminarians. It was it was a great idea, which happen? it's not continued as much as it used to be. Cardinal George had really great idea of bringing seminarians from different uh, places right. of the globe, and he, he had a few houses, formation houses for those uh, uh, seminarians. There was Abramovich House for Polish seminarians. Uh, Casa Jesus for uh, Latino, Hispanic seminaries, and Tui House for uh, 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 those from Africa. And um, we would come here for one year. We would be in those formation houses. We would learn English at that time, which I had no I knowledge of whatsoever. Oh. And then we would be transferred to Mandalay Seminary. Yeah. And we would that was very difficult for you, wasn't it? I would say if I had to repeat my first five years <laughs> here, yeah. I would never decide to come. Yeah. Um, yeah. After five years, actually, it was a great journey, and uh, I think that language improved, and uh, I also discovered what uh, um, what it means to be a priest in uh, in Chicago. This different structure of parishes and how um, uh, we well, have the whole big staffs here. Yes, from, from millions of people to f to three hundred. <laughs> it's a culture shock. It is, and yeah. uh, uh, I never lived. In in big cities the biggest city I ever lived was like 80,000 uh, which was my seminary in Poland yeah. and when I came here to Chicago I lived outside of downtown at Holy Innocent and my view was big buildings of downtown of Chicago right, which right. I preferred more countryside what we have here yes yes <laughs> but uh, that was real. A little bit countryside, not so much. Not so right? much now, it's yeah. Less and less every exactly. day. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, t tell us a little bit about um, one of the links between your town and Chicago. This is very special, <laughs> and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people when they hear this this story. Yes, the link is actually a person whose name is Kazmir Pulaski. And uh, those who live in Chicago for sure know a really beautiful city, uh, I mean beautiful street, which um, uh, lots of people have to travel on or cross it. And Kazmir Pulaski was the one who actually left my village to come to the States. And uh, he had um, one of his fortresses actually in my village. There are still remains of... He was a soldier. Yes. Yeah. It was served uh, right in your town? Exactly. Oh. So he um, um, was uh, defending, you know, Poland um, in... Uh, I, th I believe 18th, 18th century, and uh, he lost few battles with uh, the Russia uh, with Russian soldiers, and uh, then um, it was Washington who invited actually Kazimierz Pulaski to come here. Washington D.C. 
Uh, no. uh, George. George Washington. Oh, George. Oh, yes. really? Oh, my God. Because he heard about uh, him. Oh, 18th century. I'm yes. sorry. I misunderstood and, you. And, yes. and he um, uh, wrote him a few letters. And unbelievable at that time that they could know th those kind of things. Yeah. But he came here and he became hero of two nations. Um, a Polish nation and American nation. And uh, um, whenever I go home, I always uh, take my tent and I spend at least a night or two close to that fortress. Oh. It's, it's on the hills, um, kind of a little bit, um, maybe like an hour or walk distance from the village from you and uh -huh. uh, i like to walk that old fortress and just sure. spend some quiet time and uh, yeah. uh, uh recharge you know batteries and, and so on yes yes uh, some some people ask me retreat exactly some people tell uh, ask me what i need in that forest i was like basically i need my tent to sleep a knife and a rosary yeah uh -huh. so um you know forest you know offers so much food you know you can find it you can sometimes kill something you <laughs> know and uh, and have a, a bonfire um but you know that rosary is the symbol which um you know not that i pray rosary all the time but you know it's a reminder to actually reconnect with god and you know find god in nature and uh then i just go back to the village and i can come back to uh the states you know with renewed spirit and uh absolutely now there's a like a hill that's near your house that was like a lookout point uh what tell us about that it was there was like some a battle going on and they could they could see it do you remember what i'm seems to me you brought you brought that up in a a sermon one day no okay i got yeah I lost you all right <laughs> <laughs> but, but what was interesting, um, I perhaps I will recall that story soon, but okay. not today perhaps. All but right. there was a beautiful moment when Kazimir Prolaski was walking down from those hills and uh, he was moving to the States. Um, he brought his chapel down to the village and he donated the main altar oh. of St. Barbara to that Greek Catholic Church. And it's uh, also another symbol uh, um, for all of those people who lived together and at that time you know there were Jews in the village there were uh, Greek Catholics there were Catholics there were the, the, the Rus people and even the uh, Roma people which we kind of sometimes use gypsy for, for them yes and um, uh, and they accepted that uh, altar oh. you know and uh, um, it was totally you know orthodox looking church with a Catholic altar in it yeah so it was uh, 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 and it's still there it's, it's still a, there yes yeah it's but it's uh, about an hour away from your village is it in your the, village? the, the fortress was an hour away All but right. uh, the, the the that altar is actually in that church which is next to my home uh, home oh oh, the, oh my goodness yeah. is that the name of the church st. Barbara then no uh, it's a st. John um, evangelist oh st. John the evangelist yes. okay but uh, uh, St. Barbara is, is there, and uh, she has still a church feast uh, in the middle of summer, so we bring all different things, you know, to celebrate, and lots of, uh, actually, uh, sellers of um, religious goodies are coming, or some candy uh, sellers yeah. are coming for that feast. And this is the ring, which I actually put uh, buying, uh, you know, it from one of those uh, tables. Oh, that it was, was it, the one of the it gifts was the following was day 
uh, when I decided to go to the seminary. When ah. St. John Paul II canonized St. Kinga, I came back to the village, and next day we had that feast for St. Barbara. I bought this ring, uh-huh. and I call it vocation ring. Vocation ring. So yeah. I have it on my uh, finger now for 20, yeah. on, uh, over 20 years. Sure. Yes. So did when you came back, did you tell your mother uh, that uh, right away, or did you wait a while? No. No. <laughs> I was still working at that time, and in a r- really large uh, resort uh, in in the city close by. It's uh, one of the most famous resorts uh, in Poland. And um, when I decided to go to the seminary, I had to go to the seminary to pass some exams and tests and so on. Sure. But I didn't know if I passed. But when I came back, I actually quit the job. And I was traveling around the Europe, and I was in Croatia when my friend called me or contacted me saying you know like you were admitting you were admitted to the seminary you oh. know who knows about it because uh, the, you know people talk in the village but nobody knows so uh, the seminary sent three uh, three letters one to me saying that I was accepted yes. one to my parents and one to my p- pastor oh my goodness so they all knew they all knew but I was sitting on the beach in Croatia you didn't know exactly <laughs> so when I came back my mom was like shouldn't you say something to us yes i was like oh croatia is awesome just you know go anytime i was like and then my neighbor came in i was like you have to say something to your parents i was like okay so now the story came yeah and um so it was it was a really interesting way how they find out that i was going to the seminary yeah yeah so another interesting facet of your life is uh, the um, pilgrimages that you've mm-hmm. taken people on, especially so the ones I know about are the ones since uh, you've been at our parish in the last six years. Yes. And then we'll talk about the next one. But uh, tell us a little bit where you have brought uh, some of your faithful, and maybe you'll be able to do that Yes. As a pastor, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Yes. Um, I love to travel, and especially here, not having family. So whatever vacation time I have, or when I was in the seminary, we had uh, those breaks between quarters. So we would constantly go somewhere. We would take somebody's car, and five of us just drive to Yellowstone or, you know, New Orleans and so on. So when I became priest, I heard about those organized trips, you know, those pilgrimages, and um, I decided to take the first group to. Um, Italy, then we had another one to uh, Greece and the Greek islands, Uh, but a really special one happened in 2015 when I took the group to um, Central Europe, Poland, Hungary, uh, Austria and Czech Republic, but it was special because, you know, I was taking people to my home. I know. And uh, uh, not only, you know, my homeland, but actually we went to my hometown, to right. that teeny tiny the, village, the which is called Mushinka. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we had mass in the uh, that church. And, um, oh, beautiful. Uh, and the villagers actually came for that mass, so we had bilingual liturgy. Did and your mother cook? Yes. And... The <laughs> And uh, because there were 40 people with me from from Chicago, uh, they prepare actually long table in our garden and big grill. Oh. Uh, and we had, you know, Polish sausage and uh, uh, hunters too, and some cakes and of course coffee and other drinks. And we were sitting in the garden, a garden all 
you oh, know, together. How beautiful. And uh, it was a really special thing because um, those people who came for uh, Mass, they also participated with us in that meal. And that's how it is in my village. Yeah, whenever tell they see me. About that. Exactly. That amazes me. So, whenever people <laughs> see each other that they are uh, outside, they just want to go and join. Whenever yeah. and, and most of the days um, during the summertime in the mountains, we cook outside because, you know, it's just nice. And then the rest of the year is just snow and cold. So, when somebody see me cooking, let's say, in the, in the garden, right away there are like 20 people. <laughs> Next day, I have to visit them and, you know, eat with them or something right, like that. Right. So um, those people after the mass, which I had with friends from Chicago, they were there, too. And uh, uh, right away, there was that uh, a special moment. Camaraderie. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, we were singing songs and, uh, you know, there was even some dance uh, done. <laughs> and, you know, that's how people are really close to each other. Yes, yes, they live really close to each other. They know everything about each other, good yeah. and bad. <laughs> but in some way, you know, we are all like one family yeah and that's what i like about small communities and uh you know small villages because they can really do that in larger villages it's sometimes right. difficult in a sense um you know th i know th a lot of the people in the village helped raise you and your brothers and sisters because your sister oh uh, yeah because i know you were a little troublemakers and sometimes sometimes yeah, and your grandma would watch <laughs> <laughs> my grandma would uh, sit yeah. Uh, yeah, in our courtyard and I have lots of cousins and during the summertime the, they would be all there and I have like 40 some cousins and uh, she would sit on the bench uh, with rosary around her wrist and with the Bible in another hand. We were sometimes joking um, because it was like we wonder how much she actually uh, read from it because we kind of never saw her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she would always um, uh, reprimand us with uh, uh, quoting from Bible. Oh, quote scripture. So she, she for sure she read uh, that Bible, but we kind of never saw her reading. Uh, so if we were misbehaving, you know, she would just say, you know, uh, something from it, you know, like how many times, you know, we need to forgive each other. Yeah. I was like, what she's talking <laughs> about? Because we were just, you know, playing uh, some ball and, you know, she's it's talking about forgiveness. Yeah. But, you know, it was um, that kind of way how I was uh, growing up. My grandma was always praying, you know, being, um, you know, survivor of Dachau and, you know, oh, going sure. through um, a concentration camp and uh, all those difficulties. And my grandma parents actually met there and they got married uh, there by um, um, a priest from um, Netherlands. In Dachau? Yes, and oh. they got married uh, in the middle of field, potato field, when they were having some lunch break. Oh my goodness. And uh, they were looking for that priest for a year because if they knew that there was some priest, they, that priest perhaps would be, you know, sentenced to death. Sure. So sure. they didn't want to expose anybody. But, uh, um, and they thought that they would not survive Dachau so right. they got married and um, they How came beautiful. back to that small village and, uh, and burned a few houses on the way but <laughs> <laughs> how many but children did they have that that they had 10, but uh, <gasps> six of them survived. Okay. Uh, I think that at the beginning, when they came back, and the, the whole trauma and everything, sure. it, basically those four uh, first They were ones, in a very weakened condition. Yes, yeah. Of course, yeah. So my father would have uh, nine siblings, but sure, then yeah. he had only five sisters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, that's what was on your father's side. That's really, yes. that's really beautiful. It just shows how the Word of God is just written on our hearts. She may, she may not be reading it, but she was living it. She had lived it, and she believed it. Exactly. You know, and, and, and I think uh, that, that admonished you with it as yes. well. Yeah. That's why uh, tradition and um, you know custom and uh, all that kind of folk life, you know, it's important to me. That's why when I speak to you in the church, you know, I like to bring portion of that to you mm -hmm. so um, you know at that time it's it's more personal and uh, easier to sometimes understand, understand and it, relate it just makes your homily so rich when we have those those kind of stories uh, that enhance the scriptures yes. and that's that's what in a sense that's what Lexio Divina is when mm -hmm. we read it and we apply it to our lives how is this maybe just one phrase meaningful to us you know and so, you saw what's beautiful even now in yeah. this time and this uh, age of technology you know there are so many apps which we can use and uh, I have few of mine which I like to use and I, I pray the liturgy of the hours actually from my phone and yes. my siblings are a little bit like looking at me that I went a little bit too far because no, you know you have to open yeah. the book and so on for them and um, but uh, it's so easy to find something like that it can uh, that app or some website can send you small quotation or a short reflection on uh, based on um, daily readings or something like that and sometimes people don't go to it and it's so accessible now it is and so I would rich. encourage everybody to look a little bit because sometimes maybe we don't have ideas where to go how to do it or you know how to you know plan our day mm -hmm. and if we don't in some way play our day if we don't have some of routine in it at that time you know it it escapes us right that's what, what prayer is if we don't have that habit and routine of prayer then you know kind of then we will find something it's else very to do important it. yeah. very important um, I, I, I know that for sure in my own life and uh, one of the things that you let us to was a powerful website called Laudate. Yes. It's an app, excuse it me. It is it's an a app. It's a free yeah. app. It is just you have all prayers. Everything Catholic. You have readings. Is in it? Yes. 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 I gave it to Rosemary. I give it to everybody I think of yes. because uh, there isn't a thing on there as far as Catholic prayers or inspiration exactly. that, y and even the reflections mm -hmm. that they have on every the readings for each day. Mm -hmm. um, it is just um, invaluable, and I, I highly recommend it. And yes. in fact, too, there's um, we were uh, Father Michael Sparrow and I. Uh, also, there's an app called TuneIn, mm -hmm. and that it's free, and that allows you to listen to all kinds of radio stations, even yours from Poland. You can listen to. Oh. You can listen from all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a, a driver the other night from the airport from Romania, and I said here, and I said here, and I put Romania radio on. And he goes, Yeah, that's it. I listen to that. <laughs> he said, But you can, you can get, and so mainly what I'm saying that for is you can get WSA. FI, so because our signal sometimes is, is limited and it only reaches southeastern Wisconsin and northeastern Illinois, and there's a lot of people that would benefit by uh, this programming. And we are a, a, uh, an affiliate of EWTN, so it makes it uh, wonderful that we can have something all mm -hmm. around the clock to listen to that's very inspirational. 
Um, so, Father, uh, well, the nice thing I have to look forward to is next year is uh, you're going to take a group of us to Austria, Switzerland, and... Oberammergau. Yes. Every 10 years, they put on the Passion Play. And uh, it's it, so next year is the, the 10th anniversary of, they've been doing this since 1634. What a, what a. Beautiful what, tradition. Oh, um, beautiful way of celebrating Christ's Passion and Death, Resurrection. Right. But uh, um, what those people promise to each other and to God, to, yeah. to the oath, uh, oath to Him to to um, do something like that yeah and it is called co uh, continuing so when I heard that I could uh, be able to take a group with me um, I said yes to it I still cannot say the word Obramaga no, no. <laughs> I have still a year to practice it but uh, um, it will be a wonderful thing there are still few seats open but uh, um, uh, for sure to see even in different language what Jesus did for us yes it's just amazing yes and uh, um, to experience that in a really long uh, almost life uh, time uh, uh, size and frame of time it will be just actually amazing I can hardly wait yeah yes. I know it's going to be I just get chills just looking at the website and mm -hmm. watching the people it's a five-hour play and I know it's gonna go by <laughs> in, a, in a flick of a finger here yes. <laughs> but uh, anyway I, it's been wonderful having you here today father i thank you so thank much thank you very much for inviting me yeah and i we are just going to pray for you and i know that you're going to be um uh, have a very powerful uh, influence and experience uh, at saint paul the apostle and gurney so we wish you the very best good fortune of our dear lord and the inspiration of the holy spirit who will be coming on pentecost very soon yes a week from sunday so and father before you. we close we have some prayer requests oh do we okay yes we have a prayer request from uh carol uh she is praying for her family to remain intact they have been fostering two children for two years and they have become siblings for her own children and she's asking that they'll be able to remain in her home and then we have a prayer request for Tom who is suffering from pancreatic cancer mm -hmm. and we have a prayer request for someone who is suffering from depression so, and would so, you pray for my brother just, oh, we, oh yes, yes um, just broke his hip yeah. and um, let, us, let us together offer just uh, that beautiful prayer which um, um, St. Elizabeth and Mary um, uh, created for us right. so let us say Hail Mary Amen. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. And Father, could you give us your priestly blessing? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
have been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.